What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today we are talking about Tesla and mining. Uh, we've got an awesome guest, uh, Rodney Hooper from RK Equity on the line. Uh, what's up, Rodney? Welcome to the show. What up, HyperChange? Good to be here. Yeah, great to have <laughs> you. Um, so you are an expert in uh, lithium and sort of mining companies and stocks. Really, really curious to get uh, sort of pick your brain today. On, on Tesla's focus on this space, particularly with the lens of battery day. And what we just saw, Tesla put making these crazy investments and basically getting the cost of batteries so cheap that the raw materials are actually becoming a big friction. Um, and so they are moving into potentially mining themselves. Uh, they're gonna have to have very important relationships in the mining industry to pull this off and build as many electric vehicles as they want. Um, so today we're gonna dive into all of that. Um, and I'm really, really excited to have you on. So maybe before we get too much into the Tesla side, could you give us a little bit of background on who you are um, and what you do every day? Sure. So, uh, as you may have noticed, Kelly, I'm not your age. I've uh, been around a long time, South African. So, uh, mining is kind of in our blood. Um, I, um, I have uh, specialized in a number of areas. I, I ran a, a mining book, um, a proprietary mining book for a bank quite a few years in the mid 2000s. And after that, um, got back into specializing in derivatives and funding quite a lot of mining projects and, uh, and shareholdings within mining projects. And then about five years ago, my countryman uh, looked like he pulled it off with Tesla. So uh, I started to focus in on the um, electric vehicle battery metal side of things. Um, and as I always like to say and laugh, um, I went down the lithium wormhole about four years ago and I've never come back up. It's, it's a highly nuanced and complex field that looks simple from the outside, but it absolutely isn't. Um, and then a couple of years ago, after um, having studied the industry you know, deeply across uh, mostly lithium, but all of the metals, I um, partnered up with Howard a couple of years ago. And uh, what we do is we do advisory work we we sort of improve the profile of uh, developing and junior electric vehicle battery metal companies our raison d'etre is is north american and european supply chains those are the two areas that we focus on that's the reason for our existence and thankfully battery day has you know as uh, you know reinforced that we think localized supply chains are key um, so we represent a number of, of lithium companies and more lately other EV battery metal companies that fall into the North American supply chain and the European. But we also focus clearly on their ability to one day produce at the lower end of the cost curve and also do it sustainably because we think just being local is not enough. It needs to be clean. And, and uh, so that's what we do. And we help them get profile, sometimes, you know, assist them with meeting investors for funding. And then uh, we also, given our experience and conversations across the industry, assist in negotiations with OEMs and battery cell makers and potentially project funders to actually get the projects built to make the change that everyone wants to see. 
Awesome. So you're really on the front lines of of the lithium and mining industry talking to all these players, which is why I really wanted to uh, have you on the show. And you made a point earlier there saying that like your countrymen pulled it off, Elon Musk, and you're like, okay, Tesla's going to win, electric cars are the future. Like I want to get involved in this industry because it's going to change mining. And even though we all have a smartphone, and we, but we don't all have an electric car yet, the lithium industry has almost just as much been changed by those electric cars versus the smartphones because there's so many more raw materials in those cars. So I kind of wanted to dive into that part of Tesla almost single-handedly, you know, at least in my Tesla world, I'm like, they're the only EV player. They're selling way more electric cars than pretty much anyone except for like BYD or some China players. So could you sort of quantify or help us understand, you know, how much of an impact Tesla's had on this mining industry? Because I got to feel like, them up to now half a million cars a year like are they kind of the gorilla in the room absolutely and you know next year i saw you i'm sure you saw those numbers it looks like they might even do over five hundred thousand just in china next year so the yeah, thing i saw that i was like i kind of believe it honestly i don't know I'm, i was hyped i put it in my newsletter i was like honestly i think they might I, they're definitely no, no. i mean look they did just under twenty three thousand cars in one month in the model three in china so three hundred thousands on for next year so i think Gally, the thing that people need to understand is, and I keep explaining this, is battery technology is running out way ahead of the raw materials. And I highlighted this a while back, and I said the problem is when you go to first principles and solve the riddles of, of, of battery tech, you're dealing with science and you're dealing with incredibly smart people that can fail forward and move very quickly. When you deal in raw materials, you're not just dealing with the science of the raw materials. You're also dealing with permitting, the impacts of that. It's just so much more that goes into it. So, you know, the thing is, you know, Tesla, we talk about 500,000 units, but you also got to realize that the amount of battery raw materials that go into Tesla, which are pure EVs, it's not a plug-in hybrid, it's not a... You know, the, the biggest selling uh, uh, car in, in China at the moment is that, you know, that, uh, that mini EV that's got a 9.8 kilowatt hour battery pack in it or 13, you know. A Model 3 has 65 or 70, you know, the ones that are going to come out are going to be all bigger. So from a raw materials perspective, Tesla is huge. From a lithium perspective in hydroxide, it's enormous. Um, and nickel coming up. So in the end, it, it won't matter as time moves along, whether you, you know, you do LFP or what have you, ultimately battery quality materials, whether it's lithium or what have you, is going to be strained. And I think because people need to understand the supply chain and internal combustion engines is very different from what you're asking for in the electric vehicle world. And the other, so the other thing as well is, you know, if I was to say to you, well, what if we were to wake up tomorrow and internal combustion engines were only three to 4% of the world's fleet of cars. How seriously would you take finding oil? It would be, it would be all consuming. And yet people take this different attitude at three to 4% electric vehicles and we're going to 50 and then a hundred. And people don't seem to get the sense of urgency. Yeah. And, and you know, I, what I think about a lot is Tesla scaling to 500,000. I mean, it seems like they've been vertically integrating and they did the Gigafactory, like they literally had to like build their own battery factory to get enough battery cells. I wonder 
you know, I see them scaling to a million units in 2021, potentially a million and a half, two million in 2022. Um, I'm really curious where you start to think the friction, if any, in the material supply chain will will be the dampener on that growth. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, Albemarle and all these big people, like they, Tesla can just stretch its supply chain a little. But I wonder, that's where I wanted to have you on is like, I have no idea on how much, you know, they've been stretching it from zero to 500,000. But so where does that stretch get tough? And I can tell they know it's going to stretch, which is why Elon's on the conference call, like, bro, let's get the nickel going. And we're going to yeah. buy this mine and do clay because they can already feel that, like you said, the technology is way ahead of the of the trucks of stuff, of the purified sand and rocks that need to get there for those machines to, you know, run through. So it is, and you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, Gally. So the whole battery day and the whole thing with the 4680 cell and where they can take costs, the runway for EVs to be price competitive or cheaper than internal combustion engine, the route's already laid out. The problem now is actually getting the production lines for the physical vehicles up and running. And of course, Tesla's done the casting machine and then the raw materials. But you raised an important point earlier is, and I, I keep saying this and I'll keep doing it till I'm blue in the face. You cannot get to 60 to $80 kilowatt hour battery pack costs without controlling the raw material input costs. You and, have to. Yeah. And let's uh, dive into that. Vertically integrated or mine it yourself. It is not possible to get to that price. And, and I have a really fascinating tidbit to tie into this, which is Tesla, when they were negotiating with Panasonic, my understanding is they actually were so concerned about the liability of who would negotiate those raw material prices to down the supply chain that they took on the burden of doing that themselves. They were like, nah, we're not going to let Panasonic just not care and let the lithium price float because they're going to pass it on to us. We're going to use our own battery materials supply chain contracts team to put to lock in contracts in place of pricing of these raw materials. Like people don't even realize this isn't even a team that GM has or that Ford has because they didn't even do this industry. So Tesla, like you're saying, this is so much different than ICE. Like it, the, the amount of layers that Tesla's had to go through. So it's this. It's not like this is overnight they're getting into mining. This has been a natural evolution of their vertical integration and this sort of you know battery skunk works unit within Tesla. And, and and that's true. But don't kid yourself, VW and GM are getting procurement teased together. They definitely understand now that it's a sense of urgency. But the problem that you have ultimately, Gally, is reinvestment economics. There is a Mexican standoff between the Albemarle's and the Livens of this world with Tesla. Because if you, and I keep saying this, you've got to be very careful as an OEM. Are you playing checkers or are you playing chess? Because if you're shooting for the lowest possible price right now, you're playing checkers. Because you're not giving the lithium producers enough operating margin to expand their production to supply you tomorrow. If you leave wow. them... So the capex, you leave, basically, you're saying. Like you yes, and it's very expensive. Gotcha. And so Alba, that's the kind of game of chicken is they don't want to do the capex because GM and Ford don't want to commit to this mega contract. So they're like, okay, well, we're not going to build a new mine. And then it's just kind of this... So it's the, it's the, it's the trade-off here, but what you need is to, you, you cannot risk at three to 4% EV penetration already having a problem with raw materials, but I'm afraid in lithium hydroxide, I believe by the middle of next year, the market's going to be tight, especially if Tesla is going to hit a million units. So 
I understand why OEMs are reluctant because Can you break that operate... down a little bit more though? Because now you're now you're peaking my interest. You're like a million units could be tough with this. So now this is where I'm like, okay, well, let's unpack this. Which okay, so so it, just as an example of the rate of growth that we're going, so um, you are going to have about seventy five thousand tons of lithium hydroxide used in batteries this year. Next year is going to jump to 125 and the year after that 175. And when you talk about impurities in lithium hydroxide, they now don't talk in parts per million, they talk in parts per billion. They want very pure material. And it's very difficult to produce. So there is a cost curve out there. So I'm saying I understand the dilemma for OEMs because one thing that people keep talking about is EV and ICE price parity. So it might be possible to have parity when the price of a battery pack drops to 100 kilowatt hours, but the OEM doesn't earn operating margin parity at that point because right now OEMs sell you a cheap car, but they get the after-sales servicing and the parts, which you won't get with an EV. They've either got to do accessories or do you know, software as a service or autonomous or what have you, and that's a way off. So it's difficult. It's, so the OEMs are fighting for margin because on the upper end, where you should make a lot of money in luxury cars, you don't make as much on an EV. Yeah, and that's why I almost don't even take them seriously because you keep saying, I'm like, it's, it's going to be Amazon, you know, the people with unlimited, super cheap cost of capital that want to go EVs with a clean slate are the only people I'm even taking seriously. Like GM and Ford are, they're going to die before we even, like, their <laughs> well, the one thing I, gets I, done. You know, like, Gally, the one thing I did raise my eyes at is when I looked at the GM Hummer, when they showed the standard model will come out in spring of 2024. I mean, that's too late. Dude. Like, I, I can't believe it's it. And then like the people that pe people even take it seriously is, is ridiculous to me. I'm like, dude, there it's a it comes out three years after the Cybertruck for triple the price with half the spec. You know, I don't know. Any, but it, it's interesting because I feel like Tesla is really the only one with enough vision and now enough capital to really push this industry forward and actually at the boardroom level have a CEO who wants to go all out and put the billions in, which is just what it takes. You know, and but also a... they, they've done it brilliantly. So, and again, this is the whole thing of, do you have a closed mentality or do you have a growth mentality? Tesla is growth. Everyone said, oh, production hell, they failed, they can't do it. Three years later, they got a casting machine and they're taking everyone to the cleaners. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how people thought because they fail once, they're done. That's not how it works. That's not the West Coast mentality. They're moving quicker. And now they're doing cell technology they're doing casting they're doing everything all at once to get the you know the car competitive and it's very hard from a closed mentality with people who are trying to defend a dividend or you know cover a pension liability or something else to now suddenly not have the vision and and the and the mindset to say we're doing this and we're going to risk it so vw is trying to an extent but I agree with you The others have got some work to do. Although I'll be honest, I think GM's partnership with LG, that's a good partner to have, but obviously it's, it's very, it's very difficult to, you know, spin your wheels and keep up with, with Tesla at the rate that they go. Totally. 
And so let's dive into this clay uh, deposit that they talked about, because that seems like really piqued my interest is they mentioned as a joke to get into mining a while ago and everyone thought it was ridiculous. And then they actually slip this in at battery day. And the consensus is like, okay, we're basically going to find this clay technology that people have been dabbling with, but no one's really pulled off. But we're going to buy this clay deposit. We add salt and we just process it and get lithium out in theory, a much easier and cheaper way. And the part that intrigued me is just this idea of localizing production, which you've been mentioning, like not shipping things around the world from a first principles basis allows you a lot more, you know, R&D budget, a lot more automation, a lot more wiggle room on the cost of extraction because the cost of transportation is so low. So I don't know. I, I, I As a Tesla investor, I see so many industries where people are like, oh, Tesla's not going to do that. They're never going to do that. A, I think their engineering talent is 10 to 100 times better not an exaggeration, than every other person or entity trying this lithium extraction. So Tesla's going to fail faster, try harder, and I, if anyone's going to do it and, and commercialize this, it's going to be Tesla. So I kind of, but maybe that's a naive approach of just assuming that, you know. I think, I think, I think that they are going to persevere and they have the capital to do it, but some pretty smart guys have had a crack at this. And Again, there's timelines. You have to do permitting. You have to do what have you, because when you're in Nevada, it's a Bureau of Land Management land. You've got to get them to approve it. So in the interim, before they even, you know, take Piedmont Spodium and produce their own hydroxide, say, in Austin or do the clay, there's a good few years window where they are going to have to buy from the Albemarle's, the Livens, et cetera. And it, there's no way around that. And, the, and uh, you're talking three terawatt hours, Scully, they need everyone's lithium everywhere. That's an enormous demand just for them. That's bigger than what most of us had forecast for the whole world. So um, and, and I what, agree with you. I wouldn't write them off, but it is going to take some doing. And remember, the grades within clay are very low. They're not the same as hard rock or, or, or brine, but it is. If you can do the salt extraction, it is a sustainable way of doing it. But it's a question of price. Other guys have had a look at it, and sulfuric acid has been the method of choice. But again, you've got to also got to think about Tesla is not trying to compete against the industry as the lowest cost producer. They're trying to reduce their cost of lithium and do it themselves. And I think some people get it a little bit wrong. They, they're not going to do it for four thousand dollars a ton or what have you, but if they can do it for eight or nine, that's still cheaper than what they're going to pay. Wow, fascinating. And so, do you think these uh, in that interim period, you know, it feels like those suppliers have been able to expand with Tesla thus far, and I would assume they're a lot more bought in with Tesla than they were when they started that relationship. So they're more willing to to go ahead and spend capex up front. You know, I wonder what what's your kind of status on the Albemarle's of the world. So Albemarle's already, Tesla? they've said they're going to be flat production next year, and and Livent is looking the same. They don't, they're not happy with the reinvestment rate. So they are going to hold back material, in my opinion, and we're going to see a price move until the price gets to the levels that they need. And wow, they're like one? you guys were. It was too low, so they're going to artificially restrict and pop the price as kind of a. Well, it's not artificial. You know, you, you have a finite you have a finite set of resource. If you you sell it at uneconomic terms, then you become you know you're not going to yeah. go anywhere. They need to make a reinvestment economics, and they keep mentioning that Albemarle mentioned it in their um, 
in their earnings call and so did Liven because Liven made 1 million, I think they made 1 million either negative or positive EBITDA for the quarter last quarter. That's it. You can't build plants making that kind of money or not making that kind of money. So it sounds like I'm trying to read in between the lines on what happens next. Like, it sounds like you're almost saying there's like beef between. There is beef. Yeah. In my opinion. Definitely. It's understandable because you, you, someone's got to, the profits got to sit with someone. And obviously OEMs are trying to make EVs profitable. Tesla is in, in a better position and they understand if they can keep making cheaper vehicles and undercutting, they are the gorilla in the room. They're going to have a massive market share. So, you know, the, the lithium companies are saying, if you want me to supply you in 2022 or 2023 and onwards and grow my production, You've got to give me enough money to spend. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Shareholders aren't going to approve it. But wouldn't Tesla be a lot more willing than like GM to give them like a billion to spend because they have a million EV program versus GM who doesn't? So, well, this is so where, why is, this you know what I mean? Like, why isn't all Merrill expanding just with Tesla? Screw everyone else, right? Like, because Tesla's got to pay them the, the, the reinvestment price, and the reinvestment price is not what Tesla wants to pay. Interesting. And how much of this is public? How much of this is you reading between the lines? It's, it's us reading between the lines, but in, in a market, in an EV market that's going to grow from 2.5 million this year or 2.4 to 4 million next year, and, and, and Albemarle is not expanding production and neither is Livin. So they're telling you where they're at. They're not going to sell at poor economics because it's not going to work and shareholders won't support it. So I'm saying... <laughs> Uh, Tesla can get to the point of producing its own material, but it's never going to produce even a fraction of what it needs. So it needs the industry to grow. There are opportunities like direct lithium extraction and things like that, new techniques, the same that salt and clay would be, that hold opportunities. But the economics of those projects are still the same, that you need a fairly elevated price. And in our opinion, incentive pricing is $12,000 a tonne or more. And um, in South Korea and Japan, that's kind of where the price is at. And I think that'll be where the price will be at next year. Um, and then as we get to the middle of next year, and if, if Tesla sells all these cars, there are a lot of battery plants, as you know, about to be built by Tesla and in, the, in Europe, enormous amount of plants and China. So they're going to be an enormous amount of competitive forces. I don't know if we sell... 3.75 to 4 million EVs, where are we going to in 2022? I don't know, five or six, six maybe, 50%, maybe not quite that much, five and a half. We're at two and a half now. Do the maths on the raw materials. You can't have guys producing flat. That doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah, and so I, help me like go work through my, my devil's advocate skepticism because as long as I've been following Tesla, like I'm just so out of my depth on mining. You know what I mean? Like I just know Tesla's production and, and their cars are awesome, but, and it keeps scaling. And I always hear the skeptics saying the supply chain will break. There's not enough this, the price is going to rocket, but like we never see the price of lithium, like kind of compound at the rate of electric vehicle growth almost or like 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 why have the people who always say the supply chain will break why do they keep being wrong or, and it has it broken you know? so, so what so what happened was in 2019 you had um china cut subsidies on their evs so they're moving more to subsidizing this sort of uh, charging infrastructure and that kind of thing 
So you had an under-demand in China last year. It came up short from what expectations were. You saw less demand. You also saw all of the Europeans stall the sale of EVs until this year because they only had the severe CO2 penalties this year. So they've deferred all of their sales into January and this year. And then we had Corona. So what should have been a big year has now stalled a little bit. But what I'm saying to you is the, the, the stars are aligned with the carrot and stick that Europe's offering between CO2 penalties and buyer subsidies. As you know, you can get like 9,000 euro, like $10,000 on an EV as long as it's not above a certain price. And they're heavy penalties. So we're now finally seeing EVs live up to the this, this sales potential that they were. Now I'm saying to you, looking at um, what we came from was a moderate sort of minor oversupply. We're about to, in my opinion, have an undersupply in hydroxide next year and then a structural deficit from 2022. So I think we're about to see prices move because people are building battery plants yeah, and the question all is, over and they need the raw material. Does those pricing moves, like, is that enough of a friction to impact this cost curve that Tesla's on? Like their gross margins keeps going up, they're compressing all their costs. Like, I wonder, you know, as a Tesla investor, how much sensitivity do they have to this? Because I imagine they're they're baking in a good amount. Like they're seeing that too. And they're like, that's why they're not even going to the table with Albemarle because they're like, they don't think we can wait it out to 10K, but we will. And then somebody else will come online and we'll do it with them, not Albemarle. Like, you know what I mean? Like Tesla's got a side too. Yeah, you see, so, right? so here, here's, where, here's where the trick comes in, Gally. There are only three ma major companies that are qualified to supply battery quality hydroxide in the world. There are other smaller suppliers, but there are three guys that dominated. It's Albemarle, it's Lavent, and it's Ganfin. So if, if they aren't making the moves, Ganfin is to some extent, but if they aren't making two of three are saying, we don't like the economics. Ganfin's got a plant coming online now in, this, in the fourth quarter. So, but Tesla is making a lot of moves in all sorts of places. So the 4680 brings you a whole lot of economics without changing any of the raw material prices. It, it brings improvement. The casting machine brings improvement on its own. So there are a lot of things that they do, plus they, you know, they get the credits or what have you. But I believe, given the sort of pinch point in the supply chain, and I, I feel it anyway because OEMs aren't making a margin, it's going to be the upper end, the higher valued uh, auto segments that are going to switch to EVs first. And it's going to take a little longer to get to the mid and lower segment. And it's interesting how Tesla's increasing margin in just the ability to manufacture all this stuff and have the better battery technology gives them more wiggle room at the supply chain level for raw materials contracts that other OEMs don't have. So it's fascinating Absolutely. how this tech advantage really goes all the way down to this, you know, and that's what gives Tesla the wiggle room they need in this crazy mining industry. And now, as you've seen, they're shifting to China where they have three ships going and where they can produce for quite a bit less. Yeah, and it, what I what I think is fascinating is the exportation of vehicles from China, which they totally said wasn't going to happen in sandbag. And then, like, the second – like, it's happening way sooner than I would have expected. And it looks like they're really tripling down on that, which as a shareholder, I'm like, this is genius. It's like Apple, Foxconn, but we're vertically integrated. Like, this is going to crush it. But, uh, yeah, that kind of caught me by surprise too. 
And it, it, it's a smart move. Apparently, I, I mean, I, I stand corrected, but I think the cost of production in China is 30, 40% less, something like that. Oh, and if you're like going to ship it to Australia anyway, it's like, well, you're, it's way more expensive to ship from the US. So totally. And, and on that, what I always thought was fascinating is the cathode. You know, this idea that we're like sending all the cathode stuff to get processed in China or like this kind of like one atom of rock goes around the world like 800 times or not eight, like three times, really. But uh, it's just crazy. And so the, the back to the localizing thing, um, the part we didn't talk about was the cathode part of that. Is that something you've looked at at all? That's another thing that's way out of my depth. But I was I love the vision of raw materials on site with cathode on site to about, you know. Yeah, so you know, you, it, when you do something, you know, you know, Tesla needs the nickel and the cobalt and the you know the lithium and aluminium or whatever they're going to go with in their cathode. It's helpful to do it. This is why we are so pro, and this is why we are supportive and represent companies in North America and in Europe because, as Tesla showed up on its map with its cathode, it's going to look for the lithium and the nickel within the, a localized supply chain. They want to reduce the distances it does. We're hoping that they're going to do that in graphite as well. We've identified a, a good play in Canada because graphite's bulky. You actually have 1.2 kilos effective uh, graphite in the anode. So, you know, it, it's important, you know, for them to do it. We, we think it, it makes sense. And, um, you know they're also looking to improve. Um, they're also looking to improve uh, the uh, the processing of, say, for example, nickel. They're looking to cut out of quite a few steps for what is traditionally the process for the stainless steel industry. So these things are going to help, even if they even if they sort of source them and and localize. They're, they're probably going to get some economies of scale, but we think. If you look at what's coming in Europe, the, the European raw material, you know, the, the raw material alliance is already saying, I think they want 80% of lithium sourced by 2025 in Europe. That's too ambitious. They're probably going to have to get it from other places and locally. But, you know, it makes sense for Tesla to look for, for local partners to source. And then, and I'll be interested to see if they do the cathode as well on site in Europe in time. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a lot here, but I got so many questions. One thing I'm curious about is boring company and mining. Is that something you think about at all? Because I don't know, the way Elon is such a visionary, the way they've electrified the drilling machine. Uh, is that, you know, Tesla getting into mining with the boring company? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I would say, and if you think about it, you know, what does Tesla do best? It's not mining. They don't do mining. And mining comes with inherent risks. You have all sorts of rehabilitation risk, environmental risk. They have said they want to leave. I think they want to, when he says mining, I think clay is about as far as you're talking because that has a very small or you know, potentially less risk and a smaller footprint you know, to do. I, I think you know, clearly with the Piedmont uh, transaction, they're letting Piedmont do the mining and deliver the spodumin concentrate. They'll do the chemical processing. I think they have something to add at that level. At the mining level, I can't see it. Same with nickel. You know, again, we've identified what we think is the only play in America to do the supplying and they, they'll take a concentrate from them and then do the processing from once they have the concentrate. And do you, is it, 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 
getting a, getting someone, you know, it's like it's like asking your a neurosurgeon to come, you know, carve your meat. I mean, it's it's you know too much skill in it. It's not what they do best. They they can add a lot more value, improving the battery, the casting, that kind of thing. Gotcha. And and one thing I always think about is this idea of autonomous vehicles of you know, can we reduce the amount of, of hardware? And that's like, this is an idea I think a lot about, like I'm invested in Arkimoto, the company that has like seats two people, and like they have a higher MPGE than a Tesla just cause it's not built. Like I drive my Tesla around all the time. It's usually just me. And I'm like, you know, the battery could be one quarter of the size and have 300 miles of range if it was a one person vehicle. So I think there's a huge efficiency in natural resources to be gained by re rethinking the form factor of the vehicle and with vehicles becoming autonomous. Like this is the total other end of the spectrum that I think is like, yeah, like why are we like digging up all these rocks? If we can figure out a way to dig up less rocks out of the ground, that's the first thing we should be scheming on it, not like better ways to dig up the rocks. And so that's why if cars, uh, yeah, you want to jump in? No, no. So, I mean, if you think about it, you know, recycling to some extent is going to help on that front. Second oh. life of batteries. Yeah, that, know, the uh, idea that once we mine it all, then it just stays in the system. Uh, is that how how real is that? Because that just seems too good to be true every time I hear that. But I got like some interesting tidbits of of like at Tesla events talking to Tesla people, and they're like, "Give me a crew," and they're like you know, Galley, like it's going to be cheaper and way easier to just get the, like all those materials we need out of an old battery pack than mining it. Like once there's enough of those packs. And so that, that ever since I heard that, I'm like, Hmm, like the, there's, you know, it is, but you know, you, you asking also to build million mile batteries, but what you can at the end of life of a car is use that for stationary storage. If you think about it, if a cell runs down to, below 80% capacity or 70, you can use it in a forklift, in a, you know, in a storage or something where the performance doesn't matter as much. And then once that's done, you can then recover. Urban mining, you, you do the batteries, but it depends on recovery rates. It depends on economics, but you're right. That's the ideal is to recycle that material and, and use it again. As far as the autonomous, the thing, the thing is, you know, as they say, you know, with your kids, you know, if you want to change the world, why don't you start by cleaning your room? So, you know, the, the, the issue with the form, the form factor or, or changing it is, you know, the world, everyone wants to save the world, but SUVs have become more popular than anything over the last few years. And they're big and bulky. Do you need a four by four to drive your children on the pavement to school? No, you don't, but people buy them. So, you know, in Europe, nearly 42% of, of vehicles sold are SUVs or, or crossovers. And they're not needed in Europe. So um, I think that's just anecdotally, that's probably why the Model Y is gonna do phenomenally well because the Model 3 is, is in the mid-size category in Europe and that's got a 6% market share. And SUVs like the Model Y have a 42%. Yeah, but, people but it, it feels like idiocracy to me. Like I read an article today that there's like more space for parking spots in the U.S. than people. And I totally believe it. Go to any town in the middle of the U.S. It's hideous. It's just parking spots. It's 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 so ugly. So I'm like at some point like is I'm betting on education that people will be educated enough to figure out that it's just like, I don't know. It just makes me really frustrated. That I think something of, that, of that will be hugely to, helpful. Gally, yeah. what will be hugely re helpful is when people no longer have uh, the charging infrastructure is is substantial, that you have no longer have the fear of not being able to so that 
if you're in an automated vehicle or you have a you know an app or what have you that sorts it out for you and there are charges everywhere that'll be a huge relief for people what you've seen china's been good with putting installing charging because that's kind of where they've shifted their subsidies europe is not there yet you know tesla is a fantastic network but the other oems aren't so people need to see that otherwise everyone's going to want 700 miles of range and you know 10 minute recharging and that's what they're going to want so you, you need people to have comfort i mean i'm all for autonomous vehicles but i think it's some way off for fully autonomous yeah for sure so so do you have any uh predictions on like looking ahead um in, in your industry in the mining industry are there any things like we should be watching for that you think a lot about yeah i mean that's that's a that's an interesting question i guess you know the, the difficulty as i say is we don't you know mining just doesn't move as quick as as the battery tech but um uh yeah i mean I, at the moment I, I to be honest I, I can't think of anything obviously you know if there's some kind of a breakthrough that we see in in processing techniques but guys you know i've been trying this for a while so I, You've caught me a bit off guard there. I, I can't think uh, of anything in particular. Gotcha. We might, you know, I guess there's a fair question about battery tech, where that's going to go and what that means. Like solid state is, you know, solid lithium metal anodes and that kind of thing. But again, producing and manufacturing is, as you know, as Elon says, you know, the, the machine that makes the machine. It's very difficult to scale new technologies to commercial level. And one of the things I really enjoy seeing with Tesla is how they're refining as they go along. They're not going for the quantum leap, they're going for the refining. And that tells you, as Elon does, how tough it is to make the changes. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see if they can pull off the 4680 because the, the amount of innovation packed into that, the cell to structure, if they're right about that, then every other V without cell to structure will be just have like a, a huge disadvantage. I mean, it's uh, that's one thing that I always think about is like the 100 gigawatt hour run rate in 2022 or amount. It just seems, you know, it, it, Tesla is it, this is this is huge stuff. So now it's like I'm almost like grabbing the popcorn and like, let's see what happens here. Like the clay thing, like like, you know. Well, I mean, if you're going to sell, if they hit a million cars next year, you can see why they need 100 gigawatt hours. And I guess from as a, you know, from production. Although they said they don't need that till 2022. So like they, they're going to hit a million without their own cells next year. Just and who, which means that they, you know, and they're also going to hit it without their own lithium and nickel and everything else. So it's going to. Look, nickel as a percentage of batteries is still low, but the right quality nickel in time is going to become an issue because it's phenomenal from from an energy perspective. But um, I, you know, as you know, with production hell a couple of years ago, and now look at the rate at which they are bringing on the new plants. They're ahead of they're ahead of timing. So I'm always scared to second guess Tesla these days because yeah. They seem to, uh, you know, do it. And you mentioned it earlier in terms of skills. The Universum does a survey of graduates. And they did a, a survey on engineering graduates yep. in the U.S. And the number one company to work for is Tesla. And the number two is SpaceX. So anyone who thinks that Tesla is an auto company, you'll have to explain to me why engineers want to work for them rather than a SpaceX business. Yep.
it tells you it's most definitely not an uh, just an you know an auto company and that's and to me that's almost the, the a beautiful place to end the discussion is that's my biggest takeaway from battery investor day was tesla has shined a spotlight on the mining industry with their battery skunk works division and is putting billions of dollars in the world's smartest engineers at a problem that has not had that type of capital or that type of thinking in decades and that's why my bet is that the coming five to 10 years will be unprecedented innovation in that space because of the capital and engineering that's flowing in today because of Tesla. And so I cannot wait. And as much as like, I, and I'm kind of curious because like you, you take a skeptical tone on a lot of like, they're going to have this, it's going to be like that. But I'm like, it's not going to matter. They're going to like Tesla's selling 20, like they're going to scale like hell. Maybe it's a little bit higher. Maybe they have a little cost one year, but this isn't going to stop them. Like, I don't see anything in the raw materials industry that stops this from becoming a two, a four, a $5 trillion company in 10 years. Maybe it takes them a longer, maybe margins one year hit a little, but from my Tesla brain perspective, I'm not seeing a red flag in the mining industry. I don't know. I'm, I'm like trying to figure out. No, I, I'm wrong, and I'm know? saying to you, I'm saying to you, I'm not, I, I, there's absolutely, I would never put my chips on the table against them in the mid and long term. I'm just saying in the immediate term, prepare yourself for some teething in terms of at the rate at which they, they're growing because, and it's by virtue of doing so well, because they are outperforming on everything. As I said, they are outstripping on production, on battery tech, on everything. And you've always got to remember, you know, is they are very aggressively scouring to source what they need. They're in a very competitive position. So if they are, Having any hiccups, you can be sure the rest of the OEMs are in for it. Yeah, and I'm like, be Albemarle, what's Albemarle worth? $12 billion? Tesla could buy Albemarle outright almost. Like, it's getting so out of, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a crazy idea. But like, and, and, at some well, point, it's, right? it's not. It, it's not because if you think about it, if, if they were to buy Albemarle and they effectively have their own in-house you know, production, and that reduces the cost because if you take a net present value or calculate it, you know, Albemarle produces at X, Y, or Z, it might come to the point that it's actually worth the transaction because you get what you need and you get it at the right price. And honestly, Tesla's probably going to be spending 10 or whatever billion on lithium anyway, so they could do that. Imagine if Tesla gets a loan at like 0.0001%. They don't have to yeah. lose cash. They could just get debt securitized by Albemarle, separate it. Like, they don't even have to spend cash to do that. They don't even have to dilute equity to buy Albemarle because I think they and, can and Sorry, if, if we can go on one last thing, Gally. Yeah, no, I love this. Where, it's not, where I'm not skeptical is exactly this, and I've raised this before. If you can have a low cost of capital and Tesla deploys it and actually does some kind of a physical streaming deal with all of these companies, be it nickel or graphite or lithium or what have you, where they assist the greenfield projects in getting funding at cheap funding then that effectively means that the, those companies can sell to them for less or lock in a lower price so there are clever ways of engineering lower prices but you've got to assist because if you leave a junior on his own most junior lithium companies funded over 10 percent. that's what their funding rate is you can't get funding yeah, and so, I, I love this idea. And if I was Tesla, that's what I'm waiting for them to negotiate is like five projects with these companies of like, we want all the output of this lithium mine that you've already validated that you just need a two billion to set up. Like, we'll help you get that two bill and be the, the buyer. And then we lock in a lower price because we 
you know, I, exactly. I don't know, and, and I'm saying, and I'm but, saying you and I are on the same page in that front, but they'll never take all of your output because they'll never want to take the risk, but they'll take a third or whatever it is. But okay. the point, the point being, I do believe that there is something, there is a place in which Tesla's low cost of capital and security of, of the supply can get them to negotiate a better position but they're going to need to fund. There's no good just signing a piece of paper and, and leaving them to it. That makes it still very difficult sometimes for the junior. So I, I'm with you on the longer term. I think they will tackle this. And um, I mean, I'm amazed, as I said, this failing forward and just improving all the time is exceptional. So I'd never back them to not do it. I'm saying in the near term, there needs to be a bit of give to let the incumbents who can produce the quality of material that they need a little bit of breathing room. And again, you know, they're nickel projects that, uh, that we see that we think, you know, uh, again, on the basis of like an Albemarle, if you were to buy it or to lock it in, you could lock in uh, a reasonable pricing that still gives them some breathing room to, to make money because you, you're funding them or, or giving them, you, you're giving them the benefit of your really low cost of funding. Totally. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out. It is. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's you know, people talk about, it, but in the end, you know, look at, you know, it's uh, Tesla's really uh, is the gorilla in the room in terms of quality and in terms of, of the scale in which they're moving. And, uh, you know, and the, the the satisfaction that people have, EVs are hugely popular. I know you bought uh, one. You tell us, uh, are you loving it? Oh, I love my Tesla. And I'm so proud of the fact that I got to invest in a company that's only batteries and that the biggest purchase ever, it, like, goes to Tesla funding the 4680 cell. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I love it and I'm never going to buy a car that has oil. Like to me, it's like such a dream come true. And it's, I drove itself. Like, you're like, oh, I don't know about the autopilot. And I'm like, shit, I just drove to Seattle, San Francisco and back 95% of the way it was on autopilot. I don't even have FSD beta. Like it's already changing my life of how I would drive. Like I hate driving, but I love my Tesla drive. So at, from a product perspective, I've, I've totally like fall in love with Tesla all over again. Uh, you know, from a business perspective, I've always been an investor and loved it. But from a product, I re you know, I love falling in love with it, with it as a customer because it's it's so incredible. Do you have one or are you? I do in Southern right? South Africa. We have load shedding, so you can barely charge anything. We don't have power. It's at least at the moment we do, but it's it's it, there's no charging infrastructure. They charge import duties and tariffs. It's a we've got a way to go here, but. Um, yeah, as long as you don't drink that lightning bolt tequila while you put it on autopilot uh, and uh, let it drive, drive for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to be safe. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, this was awesome, Rodney. I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. Maybe have you on again, uh, catch up and see what's up after Tesla buys out Al Albemarle once they listen to this. And <laughs> So there are some moves that are going to come and we can have a chat when they do. Awesome. Well, have a great day. Uh, seriously, thank you so much again. Peace out. Fantastic. Take care.